welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 291, Four Big Takeaways from InkersCon, an interview with Alessandra Torre, coming to you on Friday, February 3rd, 2023. 2023, a new year, so excited. I've been excited for 2023 since sometime in late 2022. <laughs> There are so many new things happening this year, hopefully in your life as well, but let me just tell you real quick a little update on mine. So first of all, my new website is launching. Yay! So excited. It's beautiful, gorgeous. Check it out. It's launching a few pages at a time. Insert story here as to why, but it's beautiful and I love it. I had three websites and it was making me a little crazy trying to keep track of everything and update everything, but now Kitty Buchholz, the author of romantic comedies, superhero books for women, and uh, books for writers, and Kitty Buchholz, the podcast host, and Kitty Buchholz, who is the founder and teacher of Right Now Workshop. All of those Kitty Buchholzes are one again. Yay! I feel like kind of Mickey Mouse coming back together again. Did he, did he actually come back together on screen? Anyway, just thinking about uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice and you know, how there was too many of them and it didn't work. <laughs> now there's one of me again. Yay. So go to kittybuholtz.com and check it out. Uh, it'll update several times over the next few months. So it'll constantly be different. Um, but now the podcast is going to be at kittybuholtz.com forward slash podcast. Yay. So we will have a redirect from the old URL if you got used to it, or if you've been listening to old episodes before you got to this episode, which was podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. Uh, so if anybody types that in, or if you have it bookmarked somewhere, it'll still get redirected to kittybuholtz.com forward slash podcast. In the meantime, I just have to keep remembering to tell people where they're going. So for instance, while we're in the midst of moving from three websites to one, because it's a process, not a, it's not a done deal. Um, I'm also relaunching my time management course for writers. Super excited about this. I've taught this class more than a dozen times in the last 20 years. And I just really felt strongly that I needed to bring it back. I needed it for myself because uh, if you've ever taught anybody anything at all, which I'm sure you have, um, teaching somebody something also just refreshes it and renews it in your mind. It gets you to think about things differently. And so also, I just love to teach. Um, so doing the class again, I wanted to bring some new things into it. I've been talking for years on the podcast about how I was surprised to suddenly find myself in the midst of a terrible burnout. And, um, and unfortunately, I have found that it's easy to get healthy and then start going towards burnout again, get healthy, start going towards burnout again. So it's one of those things that I found for myself, at least, that I just need to be aware of the signs and make sure that I spot the signs so that I can bring myself back up to good health. That sort of thing has led me to create the whole path system for integrating your writing and your entire writing life. And I'll talk to you more about that later. Um, but it's to help us to write more with less stress and more peace and joy. And that includes um, more health. <laughs> and one of the areas that we can have more health in is choosing what we do with our time. So yes, it's true. You can't manage time. Time is. 
but you can manage what you choose to do in the time that you have. And this course is going to be great for that. I mean, it's gotten great reviews over the you know, two decades that I've been teaching it. There are reviews on the page that describe it so you can see what other people are saying. But also I want to integrate in some more of the things that I've learned myself over the last five years. Um, how to make sure that you are not going into burnout by working, 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 working just so that you can hit all your writing deadlines. To have a life that is full and prosperous and healthy in every area, or at least a lot of areas. You know, we can't be perfect yet. <laughs> um, and so it's also going to have, um, it's going to be a lot more 21st century. It's going to have the videos and the audio downloads, the transcripts, the actual lecture notes from, because I would teach really long lectures of including everything, but I'm going to also try to streamline it. So you can just hit a couple of videos, be like, yes, this is what I need to do today. I can come back to the rest of it later and, um, you know, get all the extra information but then also handouts and if you sign up before the class starts which i hurt my back and so i have to delay the class start it's now going to start on february 20th but if you sign up before the class starts you'll also get five live q a sessions with me during the course of february and march so you can learn more about all of this and sign up at rightnowworkshop.com forward slash going the distance rightnowworkshop.com forward slash going the distance. And yes, for a couple of months until we completely move three websites onto one website, we will sometimes be going back and forth between two different kinds of URLs. Okay. Today's interview is coming to you from a very long time, or I should say it's been a long time coming. And I apologize about that. Insert long story here as to why. Um, and yes, the podcast has been on a very flexible schedule over the last year, but <clears throat> excuse me, as more of my projects and things in life get finished and completed, then the closer we get to the website being uh, more regular. So it's probably still going to be uh, what I talked to you about last year, which is more long teaching episodes uh, rather than um, interviews about any, any old thing. Um, and I love the interviews, so I am not poo-pooing the interviews, but I really want this to be a podcast where it's like a writing class online and you get an episode around eight to 10 times a year. <laughs> so that's what my plan still is. It's what I was working on last year and it's what I'll continue working on. And I'm so excited because our guest today, Alessandra Torre, is a great teacher. She's got so much energy and she's vivacious and she really can take a big subject and break it down into um, smaller pieces that like, this is your takeaway for this. So uh, she runs a fabulous writers conference called InkersCon. And the great thing about it is you can access it year round. So despite the fact that I interviewed her a few months ago, uh, the in interview is still, and I, I'll still say the word interview, they are interviews, but still teaching. Um, the interview is going to still be completely um, up to date and helpful to you right now. Plus, there is a coupon. Yay! Uh, because the uh, InkersCon Writers Conference is online and the way that she's put it together is you can access it anytime. So, you know, if, you, if you've ever looked up writers conferences and you're like, crap, that one was in May and now it's, you know, uh, 
I don't know, February. And I missed it. I'm going to have to wait to the next one. Not so with InkersCon. You can sign up and get all of the downloads of all of the classes immediately, which is awesome. And Alessandra is giving you a coupon. Yay. So remember the coupon code. It's I think it's all caps, but um, she may say in the interview, uh, try all caps, WNW for right now workshop, WNW podcast, altogether one word, WNW podcast will give you a coupon so that you can go to inkerscon.com and uh, buy lifetime access to the 2022 conference that she's telling us about. And remember, she's only telling us about a teeny tiny portion of this conference, and there is so much more that's available there. This is a great, uh, a great conference. And if you haven't been to it yet, or, you know, accessed it in some way yet, uh, definitely go check it out, inkerscon.com. Alessandra also gave us a great handout that will be on the show notes page, but keep in mind, my website is very new to me right now. So it will show up there, hopefully at the time that you go there, it's already there. Um, but if you go to kittyboohaltz.com forward slash podcast and look for episode 291 and you don't find the show notes handout that she's giving us that will be downloadable there, then check back in a couple days if it's really close to February 3rd, 2023, or just email me kitty at kittyboohaltz.com and I'll make sure that you get it. Um, so I will just kind of keep on practicing the same, the show notes page at kittyboohaltz.com forward slash podcast. And remember to look for two, episode 291. And now I'm going to stop talking so that we can listen to Alessandra tell us about the four big marketing takeaways from just the marketing section of AnchorsCon. And you can take notes. And this is going to be another way to make 2023 an awesome year. Here we go. Today's guest is Alessandra Torre. Alessandra is an award-winning New York Times bestselling author of 28 novels. Her New York Times bestseller, Hollywood Dirt, was produced as a full-length movie in 2017. Two more of her books have been optioned for film, and her books have been translated into 15 different languages in over 30 countries. She's sold over a million copies and also publishes under A.R. Torre. In addition to writing, Alessandra is the CEO of Authors AI and Binge Books and the co-founder of AnchorsCon. Welcome, Alessandra. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay, me too. Even though I kind of really just met you this year, I'm like, ooh, yeah, every time I see your name in my email box, I'm like, oh, what's Alessandra got to say? <laughs> Which is nice. I have like 23,000 unread emails in my box. <laughs> I do too. I'm looking at the bottom of my screen. I have 100,987, which gives people like hives, but that's, yeah. It's, it makes me feel like we're sisters in emailhood. And so many things. Yeah. Well, I feel better. And you know that yours is one of the emails I actually do click on. Well, hey, that's all I need. That's, that makes me happy. That's right. So I actually uh, came across you because this is funny. My old writers group in Sydney, Australia, I'm an American, but I live in Sweden. So there you go. <laughs> uh, somebody in my old writers group forwarded an email from a list that they were on. I don't even know what list saying, oh, um, here's this Inker's Minicon in January. And I went last year and it was really good. And me being, you know, not 20 anymore and yeah. everything. I'm like, Inker's Minicon, $29. How good could it be? 
<laughs> so I'm like, well, it's only 30 bucks. So but you know, it's only $29. So right. you gotta see. Yeah. And, yeah. And then the other business side of my brain went, okay, but if she can get everybody to give her a chance, then she can be like, look how great it is. And that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to that in January and I was like, wow, these are really good and professional quality videos and professional looking website. And you actually started making me feel a little bit like website envy. <laughs> <laughs> I have it up on the other screen here. If you're wondering, what is she looking at? I'm looking at your website. <laughs> So, so then I signed up, of course, for InkersCon when it opened with the uh, early bird pricing. I was right in there. So why don't you just tell us a little bit for people who aren't familiar. Uh, so the podcast is for writers. Uh, this is definitely something they're going to be interested in. Tell us a little bit about InkersCon and Inkers MiniCon. Absolutely. So MiniCon is our winter event, and it's just small. It's four classes. It's 100% online. But we do have some interactive um, activities that happen that that weekend and um and it really is just kind of our like um taste right like so if someone's like i don't know about online conferences i don't know about this you know it gives them a chance to come in at a low price point it is not available it's only it's a three-month access um and then and we don't sell it any other time of year but it's a perfect christmas gift like if you're looking for something for an author friend it's like a great gift for that um but it's kind of yeah it's just our small light mini con I mean that's that's where the name came from and then um and then inkers con is our kind of what we call the big show and it came about in 2019 um pre-covid <laughs> and it was really I wanted to put together an online online conference that was the initial goal um and I wanted to bring in I had taught online classes in writing, publishing, marketing, but it was like, I've shared everything I want. Like, I want to go learn from all of the people who really know everything there is to know and that are killing it in the market and all of that. So, um, so initially we looked at bringing, flying in like 15 to 20 best-selling authors and experts to each teacher class, right? We were going to fly them into one place so that we could record everything professionally. It would all be the same. And that, and that was the plan. And then we would package it and release it as a digital conference. And this was back before COVID. So like nobody was really, you'd have like online summits or something, but they were all kind of, I mean, I don't want to, they were a little cheesy and, and very salesy and we wanted to pr produce something different. But then it was like, gosh, if we're bringing all of these cool people together, like it seems crazy not to also let authors come and watch live. Yes. So then, so we ended up having a live conference just as a kind of, oh, by the way, like our focus from the very beginning was like our digital audience, because oh. there are so many authors that are in places that don't have don't have great conferences nearby, or they don't have the budget to travel, or they just don't have the life situation where they can travel. Um, and so we always had this kind of hybrid model where we would have the live conference and we would have videographer teams there and we would record the presentations and then we would package it all and release it as a digital conference. Um, and so InkersCon is available to purchase year round. Um, you can either buy the previous year and you can just binge watch and jump right in and watch all of the content on demand, or you can reserve a spot or, you know, for the next year. And so where we're at right now today filming um the 2022 conference is fully released you can purchase a ticket and jump right in and watch all of the content um and so we have all of that professionally recorded content that happened in dallas and then we have a lot of um recorded 
the live events that happen when we launch that content. Um, so you can watch best-selling author Q&As or um, what we call roundtables, which is attendee-led presentations and discussions that you yeah. can watch now. Nice. Okay. So at the time that we're recording, it's early August. And um, just this last weekend, while I was still on vacation, you had a bunch of live events on Zoom. And I was like, well, I'm really glad I was on vacation. But now I'm like, next year, I think I might need to be like, okay, you got to block I'm, off time. Yeah, like I'm really going to a conference. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's we. That's what we're trying to mimic. We're trying to mimic the live event. And so when the digital launches, which is normally six weeks after the live event, mm -hmm. um, we have three weekends of launch events. And that's when we bring in bestselling authors. We do office hours, typically with like Amazon, Apple, draft wow. to digital. This year we didn't have uh, Amazon and Apple were both not available, but we normally do office hours with retailers and, and we try to do as much networking as we can for those authors that might be in remote areas or might just not have yet had a chance to really interact with other authors. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really good. I might have to try it again next year. In fact, maybe I'll just be uh, in touch with you on the sly and be like, yeah, we'll about... just have to stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll email you. Right. There you go. Cause honestly, um, living in Europe now, like I really had no idea since I'm a morning person living in Australia wasn't a problem for me. I'd get up at four o'clock in the morning and do stuff and then I would still have my afternoon, but I cannot stay up until 2 a.m. Yeah. So, um, so I've been thinking and, you know, um, right before COVID, I was about ready to sign a contract with a hotel and host a conference here in Sweden because there isn't anything wow. really close to me. And I've done conferences before, um, probably similar to you. Um, and now I'm like, oh, what if we could work together and I could help do, you know, co-host yeah. some things that were in European time zone. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I love, and the beauty is, uh, um, I don't know the exact percentage, but I would venture to say that probably 35% of our attendees are non-US. Oh, um, wow. so we had some sessions, so we really have two and a half weeks of live interactive and a, a lot of those are attendee led any attendee can start. Uh, what we call a roundtable, um, which is just a discussion. So we had um, a couple Australian roundtables and they were like at three in the morning for us. Right. Um, but that was the time that worked for them. And um, so in the same, like we'll have a, a UK group that just wants to meet people in their area. Um, and it might be a smaller group. I mean, you might not have 40 or 50 authors on there, but yeah. it gives them a chance to chat in their time zone and also about specific items. Australian authors have different print, right. you know, I mean, they handle signings different. They travel to U.S. and have to deal with a whole bunch of stuff with books and things like that. So, so they have different things to talk about than a group of, you know, yeah, authors from Georgia. So. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, when I lived in um, Australia, um, who is it? One of Amazon's, one of Amazon's companies that do the the actual print. I'm pretty sure it was Amazon. Um, anyway, there was no there was no print POD um, oh. organization in the country. So uh -huh. your POD, like your print proof, would takes three weeks or six weeks to get to you. Oh, that's painful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so lots of things to talk about, but we have actually a very specific uh, uh, presentation for everybody today, and this is so interesting to me. You have narrowed it down to four main takeaways from this year's InkersCon, but you have 28 classes in marketing, advertising, <laughs> business, and craft. So 
that must have been tricky to narrow it down. But why don't I just kind of let you go into your presentation? I'll pretend to be the audience and sometimes interrupt and raise my hand and ask a question. But tell us, what do you think are, are the four biggest takeaways from this year's con? Absolutely. So this was a great uh, presentation to put together because I had so much, like you said, so much information to pull from. So, um, so what I focus here is four uh, this is marketing focus. So for marketing, uh, the conference is craft writing, business and advertising, but I picked four marketing focuses that are moving books and are working in 2022. That was really what I wanted to focus on is like what's happening right now in the book world that is really, and I um, pulled these strategies from a couple different presentations, but it's also just what I heard kind of over and over again from different speakers. So Strategy number one, I'll move through the four strategies one at a time. So yes, please jump in, uh, Kitty, with any thoughts and questions. Um, so strategy number one is about your time and, and managing your time correctly. Um, so my official description of the strategy is to do a skills assessment and then segment your time accordingly. And this first came up in a class that we call The Vault. Um, we have like eight best-selling authors on stage and they're all answering a question. Um, and so one thing that really stood out to me was Inez Johnson, who is just a dynamite um, author and just the most engaging person to watch, is um, <clears throat> she was like, you know, it used to be if if I, you know, knew I had to do something out and I didn't want to do it. And I'd be like, oh, but I got to do it. And she's like, but you know what? I'm a grown woman. And if I don't want to do something, I just like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And that's, and I, and, and another author then I think it was Nick Thacker chimed in. And, and it was so true that the, the gist of where that conversation led was there are things that we, each of us and every one of us is different, but there are things that I, Alessandra do well, and there are things that I love. And that is where I should be focusing my time. And what I should not be doing are the things that I hate doing and things that I'm bad at doing. Um, and so I have a quick skills assessment exercise to work through. And I have a handout that um, I will, I believe are going to be part of the show notes. Yep. Anyone listening, but if you don't have the handout, no worries, because you can just grab a pen and paper and move through this without needing my fancy fancy diagrams. <laughs> but the first question that I, I would ask myself as part of this is how many hours a week do you have to author? And by author, I'm really talking about like anything to do with the author world, right? So many of us have other jobs or other things, but how many hours a week is like author time? So Kitty, like for you, what would that be? Okay. <laughs> it's a tough question. It is a tough question, especially if you have a business that's all about writing as well. Right. Yeah. Okay, so segment that out. We're not yeah. talking about that side. Yeah. Okay. So just things having to do with uh, writing and doing any kind of publishing or marketing from my own books, not my clients, not the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's as hard. much time as I would like. You're like, yeah. you're at the bottom of the list probably. Yeah. For me, I, right. three hours a day. That, that's what that's I was thinking around 15. Three hours maybe. a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and so anyone listening, I urge you to think about it and just kind of put that number down or set it aside. And then, so then the second question is what percentage of that time is actually writing and editing versus everything else. And for me, for the first, I'd say seven or eight years of my author career, like writing was maybe 30 to 40% 
on a good week, like 30 to 40% was writing and editing and, and 60 to 70% was all of the other stuff. Yeah. Um, now today I am a 90 to 95% writing and I'm so happy with that balance. That but, sounds um, something it, that would be very happy making. Glorious, doesn't it? Like, yes. how, but, and how I've done that is I really focus down on what I love to do which is things, I mean, and what I'm good at and everything else I outsource. Um, and so it, it, it's easier because I have some money, you know, so I have money to help hire people to help me, but I either outsource or I crossed off the list entirely. And it's amazing that you can drop a lot of the things you're juggling. And surprisingly enough, sales do not are not effective for a lot of those things. Because for many of us, we don't know where our sales come from, right? So we're like doing all of the things and not necessarily having results from all of those things. Yeah. So, so what percentage do you think you write? Right edit? now, I would say I'm probably maxing out at 30%, which is mm -hmm. really horrible. But mm -hmm. like you said, you know, um, well, okay. Because earlier, I would be thinking because I have to do these things. But it's funny that you say this because just this year, I've been thinking, you know what? I, yeah, there's my friends who are older than me said, you know, every time you hit a new decade, you think, you know what? I'm going to do more of the life that I want to do. And this year was like, I'm going to build the writing business I want. <laughs> so I'm actually writing more this year, but, um, but I like the idea of starting to uh, reinvest the profits back into hiring out so that I can write more. More, which I would think yeah. would also and then the would also earn more so My. yeah because <clears throat> the truth of the matter is <clears throat> it doesn't matter how many and I asked this question I did this presentation like as a webinar and I asked how many hours a week do you author and the responses were anywhere from five hours to like 70 you know um and the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter how many hours you have it's not enough like it's just we are always going to be crazy stressed out author people. And that's just the truth of the matter is, and it doesn't matter if you have five hours or 60 and, and somehow also hours just like disappear. Like you're like, what did I do today? I worked. Um, some people can't see me, but supposedly I worked, uh, you know, for eight hours, but I don't really have much to show for what I did today. Um, so, so if you have the handout, there are, and if you don't, um, then the next part of the exercise is to draw like a pie chart, right? Um, that is your like time bubble. And then really break down how you're spending your your hours a week. Um, and and then and then do a second pie chart that is in a perfect world how you would spend your hours per week. Um, because for many of us, first of all, we need the balance. Second of all, you might love marketing, right? Or you might be like, or you might love the advertising or the business side or the knowledge. There are so many different things that can contribute to that pie and all of them are valid in some way, you know? So writing, um, social media, marketing ads, learning. I always try to do a big chunk for learning and yeah. business. Those are like normally how I would partition my pie. Um, and, uh, and then, and, and maybe what you want, like maybe for you as a perfect author, you want a 50% writing and 50% other stuff, which is great, but just make sure you're aware of how you're spending your time. That's really the purpose of this exercise. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> and in a perfect world, you spend it writing plus whatever you do best. So then the second part of the handout, or if you have another page to turn to 
is when I start moving into Venn diagrams. And I never realized how much I loved Venn diagrams until I started doing this presentation. But um, but like the first Venn diagram that I would challenge, and if you're not familiar with Venn diagrams, you just draw two circles. And, and on the left circle, um, you would write down what you like love to do, like in this business, right? Um, and then the right side of the circle, and those two circles should intersect so that there's like a, a crossover in the middle. Um, and then the right side, wh the, what are the things that you're great at? Because you might love to do graphics, right? For, for your books, but you're not great at it. Like, and, and this can be kind of a hard conversation to, to have with yourself, but you need to be brutally honest. And so then what is there that's in the middle? What are the things that you both love to do and are good at? And that's where you should focus like the bulk of your, of your author time. That's not writing your author free time, what I call free time, which is time that you're not writing. Right. And so for me, um, I love, um, there isn't much that I love and I'm good at because a lot of, to be honest, I'm not really great at a lot of things. Like other than write, I think I'm good at writing and editing. I also think I'm good at business planning. Um, so those are the things that I think I'm good at, but ads I'm not good at, um, you know, graphics I love doing, but I'm, I'm not really great at it. Um, so, so my, my in the middle, there wasn't really a lot there, but that's okay. Because for me, I only have to fill up five to 10% of my pie, right. With the other stuff. Um, so, so that's there. Um, so then the second exercise would be another Venn diagram of what you hate doing and then writing a list of what you're bad at. Um, and where those two things, the commonalities between those two things are what you should run away from or delegate to someone else. Um, so see if you can just eliminate it um, and then, and just see what happens, or is it something you can delegate to someone else? Um, and unfortunately, these two things, what we hate doing and what we're bad at is oftentimes what is takes up the most of our time because it's hard, we get distracted, we do other things, we're trying to figure out how to do it. And yeah. so it's just sucking at our time and our, <laughs> mental health and our happiness. And yeah. like, how many times do we hear like this career is a journey or a marathon or, you know, I mean, we hope to be here in 20 or 30 years doing the same thing. And we're not going to make it if we're doing things that we hate and we, we stink at, like, yeah. we're just yeah. not, that's so, where burnout grows. Right. Yes. And so, um, for instance, uh, right now, you know, TikTok is huge and the people who are making money with the book talk tag, um, there's a lot of people who are thinking I need to do that, but I hate being on video or like, I'm only going to do it on the days that, um, don't end in Y where my hair is perfect <laughs> and my makeup went on flawlessly, you know? So those people should just like give themselves an out and say, I'm not good at it. I don't enjoy it. I don't have to do it. I can do something else. Right. Yeah, you can do something else. There are there are people there are authors that are succeeding in every corner of our business. It's just figuring out, but if you're gonna do something else, do something that you're great at, you know, yeah. and that you love to do. And and you know, and that's where you'll you'll find your success. That being said, I do have an entire strategy on TikTok. So I hope that maybe I can convince some of them to think about TikTok if they're going to do social media, but only if they're gonna do social media. Awesome. Um, but then the the last part of this skill assessment 
is probably the most important. And this, where I'm walking through this skills assessment is thinking about marketing, but you could just as easily, and I would encourage you to do this with craft. Like, what are the things that you're great at doing? And what do you love to, like, what do you love to write? And what are you good at writing? Um, and what do you hate to write? And what are you bad at writing? You know, and if you hate writing sex scenes and you're bad at writing sex scenes, maybe don't write sexy romance. Like, you know, like there's a, a happy place for you somewhere else in this giant book world, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but the last thing um, is what do your books really need to succeed? And, um, and what do you struggle with? Um, and those two, where those two things, if there's something that you struggle with, but your books need it, because there are things you can cross off the list, like social media. If you hate social media and you're bad at it, you can cross social media off the list and still make six figures or seven figures as an author, you know, but there might, but writing and editing, like your books need that. Right. And if you struggle with it, wherever those two things, you've got to either learn how to do it so that you don't suck at it, right? And that you're better at it and it's easier for you or delegate it. And unfortunately, the writing and editing, you got you got to learn how to do it or ask yourself why you're in this business, right? Um, and But a lot of the other things, you can either learn to be better at it or delegate it, but only really if it's needed, like if your books really need that. Um, so the gist, the gist of this whole thing is your time is valuable like don't waste it on poor efficiency items if you can outsource it do it if you can learn it and hopefully eventually love it then do it and so I would challenge an author to do this skills assessment on the marketing side it's great to do on the craft side too um, and then look at your pies like look at your time and say you know what when I'm looking and it's not something you can change immediately like it's something that takes work and thinking about and figuring out how to delegate or trying to learn a skill but what what is it that I really love doing and I'm great at and and let's figure out a way to spend more time doing that and yeah. that will help your sales it'll help your books it'll help your happiness um and your longevity in this business you know, Alessandra, I am so excited just to hear point number one, because I was having a conversation with my husband yesterday. He is getting ready to um, publish his first books. He writes middle grade superhero fiction and um, as opposed to superhero nonfiction, I love that. obviously. <laughs> And so um, I was telling him all the things that he needed to do. And he put together this gorgeous landing page for signing up to, for his newsletter and his free short story. And I'm just like, you suck and I hate you. And then I sent them the link to my sign up page. And I was uh -huh. like, this screams, this is from the 1990s and I don't know what I'm doing, you know, even though I did it like but last hey, month. you have that resource in your house. That's, I mean, delegate that bad yeah. boy, right? Yeah. He used to be a graphic designer. He hates editing. I'm like, your books need to be edited. I'm like, okay, that's it. I don't long, I no longer feel bad about saying we need to barter now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of questions I get is like, well, I don't have the budget, you know, like, which I get, yeah. um, but could you barter something at the same time? I'm always like, well, protect your pie, right? Like if you're spending 40% of your time doing a bunch of stuff for other people, yeah. but you got to work with what you got. Right. And maybe yeah. you are, you know, a fantastic X, Y, Z, or, you know, um, and so, um, you, you do have something that maybe you could trade off with other authors, um, but there's also just right now, there's so many, um, there's so many ways that we can 
there are so many great free resources and there are so many great. And if you can't afford to delegate, then the, then the next path is normally to learn how to do it better. Yeah. Um, so, and, and after, and, and really this is my, like mini con is, was my like, oh come in and try it like you know the water is nice yeah um this skills assessment is my try to attempt to lure authors into then doing a business plan um and a lot of authors are like oh god I can think of anything I'd rather do more <laughs> you know less than a business plan um or more than a business plan um but I, my author business plan is not like something you take to the bank and get a loan. It's really just figuring out how you can, what your skills are, and then how you can apply those to reach your goals. And, um, and we have, a and, and I teach a class with my sister actually at InkersCon um, with a business plan and business plan. And we have a super easy, like built for a creative mind type business plan um, that we work through. So that's my hope is that like, oh, like if you enjoy doing this, really like the next awesome step is to write a business plan. Um, and it only takes like an hour. It, I mean, you know, and uh, honestly, it's like actually a lot of fun to do. So that sounds great. Uh, okay. Everybody, <laughs> we, we need to come to that step. class. Um, okay. So we ready to move to strategy number two. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, so strategy number two is when you're thinking about like that pie and you have the marketing piece of that, like, how are you going to spend that time? And for, and, and really marketing slash social media. So, um, because social media can be a huge time set that oftentimes does not really produce any sales. Um, but, uh, but the truth of the matter is right now it, for a rare moment, um, which will probably last, Social media is making a huge impact on the bestseller charts, and all of that is around TikTok, right? Um, so if you are going to spend time on social media, TikTok is something you should really consider and not ignore because it's not going anywhere, and um, and it is incredibly powerful. So I'm going to um, move a little bit in. For me personally, um, I have, when I look at my little measly five to ten percent um my newsletter and goodreads are the two like things that i non-negotiables but goodreads is for me five to ten minutes a month it doesn't take any time um and sadly i haven't sent a newsletter to my readers in ages um but those are my two things like okay these are my two pillars even though i'm horribly neg neglecting my newsletter right now um but then when i look at the other four main social media platforms. We have Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're going to, I encourage you to pick one and focus on it because if you're trying to be on all four, it's going to suck up all of your time. Okay. And if you're going to pick one and focus on it, TikTok is what right now is pushing the needle more than anything. Um, and so um, there's a few reasons for that. The first is that it is truly addictive. Um, and if you are not yet on TikTok, um, I I want you to get on TikTok as an author. But at the same time, the average user spends 52 minutes per day on TikTok, which is just oh. insane. And that, and when I say the average user, 90% of users access the app daily. So out of, so 90% of people that have a TikTok account are opening that app daily and on average spending 52 minutes. That is like 52 minutes. Like we all complain we don't have time. Like this is why, because we're on TikTok. Like, <laughs> um, 
and they have over a billion monthly active users. So that is a huge pool of potential readers that you that you could be accessing. Um, the other thing about TikTok is it's highly influential. So um, TikTok users are one and a half times more likely to convince a family or friend, um, family member or friend to purchase something if they saw it on TikTok. Uh, or to tell them about it if they saw it on TikTok, they're 2.4% more likely than other platforms to create a post, tag, or comment after buying. So they buy something, they use it, and then they create a post, or they comment on someone else's post, or they tag the business. And so two and a half times, almost two and a half times more likely than other platforms. Wow. And uh, uh, 1.7 times more likely than other platforms to be a source for product discovery. So when they're wanting to buy something, and I just caught myself doing this yesterday. Um, I was like, let me go see what TikTok has to say about it, you know? Uh, and then I went on and looked at, at TikTok things. Wow. So um, all that means it's a great place to focus your marketing efforts and your ad dollars. And the second ad dollars, there are not a lot of authors that are running ads on TikTok. It is kind of like an untapped market at the moment compared to the other ones that are very saturated. Um, and so, and full disclaimer, all of those stats I got from Ryan Thorpe's TikTok ads for authors presentation that was part of InkersCon. Um, but his presentation is like an hour and a half long. The first 45 minutes is all about how to make great content and succeed on TikTok because TikTok is totally different than other ad platforms and that your ads are really like TikTok posts. Um, and so you can't make great ads if you don't know how to make great posts. So even if you don't have a dollar to spend on advertising, just watch like the first 45 minutes of his presentation. And that will be like your crash course and tutorial of everything you need to know about making TikTok nice. videos. Are you on TikTok? So I'm one of those people who got on when um, all of a sudden authors were realizing that <laughs> place to get with readers and I got you know like, like a gold rush of 2020. Right. I, I got 500 followers because we all followed each other and then I asked myself why are all these authors following each other how is this going to work but then I haven't posted a video yet so I'm going to have to go watch that um, yeah yeah it is it's really it's it, it, it is one of the most act, like actionable packed presentations like he no fluff like I was, I was just like writing furiously um, <laughs> as he was talking. So it's a really, it's a really great um, presentation, it, but I will give you guys some cliff note takeaway tips from it right now. Um, so the first thing that you have to understand is how the algorithm works. Um, and the algorithm is pretty simple. It's focused on how long people watch your video um, how many times they watch it more than once and any engagement. So engagement could be them saving it, them sharing it, them commenting on it, them favoriting it. Um, so your goal when you make or post a video is like, is this something that someone will watch hopefully 80% through or more um, or potentially watch more than once? Um, you know, and is this something that they're likely to engage with? And the easiest way to increase the engagement is, you know, like the, is to is to respond to comments so okay. uh, respond and interact with comments like we have heard that on a lot of social media platforms but it's especially true with TikTok. Um, and it's really great to do video responses to comments and things like that that brings traffic back um and the really great that like there's a lot of really great things about TikTok, but the number one thing is you they are giving your typically like 10 percent of your followers 
your your views are like 10% your followers and 90% random people who have potentially never ever heard of you before. Wow. So you don't have to provide like engaging entertaining content. You know how a lot of times it's like, oh, you can do a salesy post one out of every four posts, but the rest of the time you have to provide like something fun and whatever. It's not like that with TikTok. You can hard sell 100% of the time. In fact, you should hard sell 100% of the time. Every single time you make a video, it is like, buy this book, this is why. And um, because it's reaching someone who's never heard of you that has a short attention span and they just need to know what you're selling, whether they're interested in it or not, so that they can move to the next video. Um, and so that's great because all of that time that we're wasting on other social media is trying to create curated, you know, balance of content. Forget that. Like, like straight to the sales pitch and do it hard, you know. And um, <clears throat> and what really is selling is tropes, tropes, and and you know, well written to market books, which is which I'll talk about in um, in a future strategy. Okay. But um, uh, second like quick tip with um tiktok discovery um is really important that's something you should understand is how how readers find your videos and how they come across and how tiktok delivers it and why they choose to deliver it to different people but um just a quick tip is definitely use hashtags use two to three bigger hashtags and then two to three more niche hashtags very similar to like strat strategies with instagram um, but you should understand, you should use TikTok enough as a user, like hopefully not 52 minutes a day, yeah. um, but use it enough as a user so you understand what trends are and how they work and how you as a as a user are moving through and finding videos um, and uh, so that then you can can properly participate as a creator. Right. Um Let's see. And oh, it, it was funny because you started off this like early earlier saying like, I don't want to put makeup on. I don't want to show my <laughs> face. You know, I don't want to. And um, we did an Inker's Con panel in 2021 about TikTok. And we brought like four or five authors. I think there are five authors that were had all gone viral and were all like pushing uh, a lot of books. And uh, Katie Robichaux, who's a romance author, was uh, she said something which I took to the bank. And she said like, well, first of all, she said the same thing Ryan says in his presentation this year, which is they want open, honest authenticity. They they want somebody who's coming out of the gym and they're sweat or not the gym necessarily, but they're, you know, or they're sitting in their messy house, you know, like just having a real conversation like that's what they really want. And she was like, I don't put makeup on. She's like, if you watch my videos and it's so true, like most of the time, she, like, you know, she's got like a messy bun and she's got a baby on one hip and she's like doing whatever. And she's just talking about her book um, and why they should buy it. But uh, but I took that to the bank. I was like, OK, great. Like I no longer need to put on any makeup. But the truth of the matter is you don't need to show your face at all. And a lot of the authors that oh, are really? killing it on on TikTok never show their face. Um, there's this thing like, oh, well, I don't dance. So I should very very small percentage of authors dance there are some but everyone has like a different thing and um 90 percent of authors their videos not 90 percent, but a big chunk of authors their videos are literally just a video of their book cover or a page flipping in their book and in a trope that, that that is in their book that is being described um and that's it like it's an eight to 15 second video 
and it's just describing a scene or it's a quote or it's a line from the book and you never see that author and and they film you know 10 or 15 videos in an afternoon and then they just schedule them um and then they oh. you know send them or they put them in drafts and then they post them so the so any author is like oh i don't want to be on tiktok because i don't want to show my face no problem don't need to show your face um, and every video I've had that's gone semi-viral, I didn't have my face in it at all. Um, uh, you don't have to, I don't remember the other concerns, but you don't have to show your face. You definitely don't have to dance. Um, and, and you don't have to be like this intergate, like there are some, there are definitely authors on flap on TikTok that are succeeding because they are like witty and funny. And, you know, like you just watch this person you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta watch this person. But that's a really small percentage because readers honestly don't need to be entertained by us. They want to be entertained by our stories, right? Okay. And honestly, the authors that are selling more books through TikTok, it's not about them and how bubbly and fun they are. It's about the book and, you know, and whether or not they're interested in that book. Um, so that's that's great for us. Yeah. Um, so in, that's the end of that that strategy did you have any questions or anything about tiktok ads or tiktok before I think, I... I think all i have to say here is that i solemnly swear to put my first tiktok video up in august of 2022 <laughs> <laughs> i have no problem and the other oh the other just great tip or it like valuable information to know about tiktok is that you should be extremely um like the the biggest mistake that a lot of authors made and it's one I definitely made when I started and I'm about to I think close my TikTok account or just kill that one and start a brand new fresh one is um is I was making videos like about Key West and I was making videos about like my writing process and I was making a video about my book and really TikTok's trying to figure out who I am and what my videos are about so that they can show them to the right people. Um, and so they need me to just be laser focused, right? Um, and so, and that is what like, Nat, like I'm gonna start a fresh TikTok account and do it right this time. And so I'm gonna follow accounts. And, and honestly, your follower numbers don't even matter because you can have just as much chance of getting a million views with 200 followers as with 200,000 followers. Well, you're going to have a slightly higher chance of 200,000 followers, but sure. you know, 200 followers or a thousand, you're, they're going to show it to at least 250 people just to test, to test it out and go, is this a hit? Yeah. Um, and then they're going to figure out out of those 250 people they showed it to, which ones engaged with it. And if they were people that were all like this, then they're going to show it to more people like that. Yeah. Um, and, but they're going to stop showing it if it doesn't have high engagement, high watch through and, um, engagement watch through and whatever that other third thing. Oh, was. um, like um, repeating like... it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Repeating. So, um, okay. All right. So strategy number three, um, is all about tropes and this is, um, tropes and writing to market. And this is, was especially shown to me and proven to be on TikTok, but I also heard it over and over again at Inger's con and, um, readers right now, they have a short attention span. They look at a book, they look at its sales page and they go, yes, this is for me or no, it's not in two to three seconds. I mean, they have two to three seconds before they click away. If they stay on the page longer than two to three seconds, then they're they're considering your book, right? And you have to like earn 
earn that sale, but you haven't at least lost them yet. Um, but you've got to make it super clear what your tropes are, what your market is, and don't be afraid to scare away the readers that aren't for your book so that you can really, where a lot of authors um, have a weak point is they, they try to appeal to everyone. And so they appeal to no one, right? Because it's just too fuzzy what their book is. So we need to be really clear with our packaging, with our metadata, um, our cover and our book description, what our book is. And uh, so that can really appeal to those. And so much of that falls into understanding writing to market. And I'll tell you, I was the biggest snob about writing to market for six or seven years. And I think it was because I just didn't like money. Like I... <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm going to follow my creative impulses and I'm not going to pay any attention to what the market wants. And I'm going to write books however I want to write them. And that's what I'm going to do. And somehow I found success, but it was really success despite like my best efforts to not yeah. be successful. Um, and, but I, but I, I heard the words right to market over and over again. And I, and, and I really was like, I hated the thought, like I hated to me, there was what I was writing. It was on this, or what I wanted to write. And it was on this island, right? And way, way, like on the other side of the world was this other island that was writing to market. And it would be me going over and writing something that I didn't want to write that was just hot right then. And that was what I thought writing to market was. Yeah. And Kyla Stone, who is an, actually an apocalyptic author, mm -hmm. um, post-apocalyptic author, who is just killing it in um sci-fi apocalypse apocalypse that's apocalyptic that's a word i can't say um she really she did a presentation called writing to market um and it's fantastic so you should definitely watch it um but the way she described it in her presentation which i really loved is that it, writing to market is a marriage between your creative and your business side Ooh. and it's so true like i uh, when she said that i was like yes because I spend so much time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears on my creative side. And I spend so much time and effort and money on the business side. Why on earth am I not thinking about the two of those things while I'm in each of them, right? Because right. I write a book, but then I have to market and sell it. And typically I'm not thinking about how to market and sell it until my book's written and I'm trying to figure out like the best way to present it. But that's going about it all, all backwards. And she, um, one of the slides in her presentation was a Venn diagram, which I got really excited about because everybody's <laughs> favorite thing. Um, and the question on the top of the slide was, can I write to market and write what I love? And so on the right side, she had writing to market and on the um, circle on the, I'm sorry, on the left side, she had writing to market and on the circle on the right side, she had writing what you love, like what is it you really love to write and where those things intersect is, is writing to market for you. So you can still write what you love, but if what you love is this big round circle and those are all the things that you love to write, figure out what portion of that circle also falls into writing to market and you're still writing what you love but you're writing it to market and when she um made that she was writing like the same thing like post apoc female protagonist but when she went from writing that and then writing that exact same thing but she wrote it to market her income tripled and she was already making a nice six-figure income and her income tripled in a year like which is the time it took to release the 
the new books that were written to market. Um, And it's the same thing she was writing. Like it's, but she figured out the elements and the tropes and the way of telling the story that the readers really wanted. And that is what really writing to market is. It's, it's figuring out how readers really, what it is about that market, about that sub sub genre that they love and then making sure that you're hitting all of those emotional points and experiences. And that was not how I, what I thought writing to market was. I thought writing to market was like, stepbrother romances are hot. I should write a stepbrother romance, right? right. Um, or right now, single, small, small town romances with a single dad are all the rage. And this is what so many authors do. So they're like, okay, I'm gonna write a small town, single father romance. And the question is, why do readers love single dad romances and maybe it's because you know the single fathers I don't know because I haven't researched this genre so what I'm about to say could be totally wrong but maybe it's the protectiveness and the intimate moments between the father and the child and seeing them juggle and maybe not having it all together and those funny moments where like there are certain things that it is, it's not just because they like the idea of a single dad, it's because it comes with all of these other things. And if you don't know that, if you just take your hero and go, oh, you know what, let me pop a kid in there and make him a single dad. So I can put single dad on the description. You're not delivering what they want and they might buy the book, but they're not going to be happy. They're not going to go on TikTok and rave about it and tell other people about it and all of that stuff. So, um, so that's what, um, and she breaks down in her presentation, how she researches, how she figured out her market, how she applied those concepts. And then, I mean, she shows like her sale, her, you know, her sales income and everything. And that is a really great presentation. But the other one that if you have Inker's Con 2022 access is Ines Johnson does a plotting to market. And really, cause when we should be thinking about all of this stuff, is in the plotting stage. Um, And, uh, and that also is the other side that's really kind of ignored. Nice. So Alexandra, let me ask you a question. Um, People who are hearing um, the traditional industry, because we still get a lot of information if we're self-publishing from the traditional industry and um, people who are interested in hybrid or people who are listening now and they're like, I just want to do traditional. How, how does that work? Um, one thing that I've heard a lot of people say over the years, I guess I just have a lot of people who've written in this genre, uh, but, um, you know, traditional publishers say, uh, vampire books are dead. Don't give us any more vampire books. We aren't going to buy anymore, but from a self-publishing perspective, then if you just love writing vampire books, or for me, it's chiclet. Like I, I, uh, almost sold my first chiclet right as chiclet was dying. And I'm like, but I like writing chiclet. So the idea is you have this Van Vat diagram. I love writing vampire books um, mm-hmm. and people love reading. Is that what, what we're getting at? This is what um, I love writing and this is what the market is selling and, and where do. Well, it's not just it's not honestly, it's not as much that it's it's finding like there are. First of all, Bella Swan or whoever it is proved to all of us vampires are still not dead. Like, and she still makes a ton of money. Um, but there is, um, it's, it's not, it's, it's that you can write vampire books, um, because there is still a market. It might be a smaller market, it might be a niche market, but that's okay because you could become the queen of that market and yeah. you know and dominate it. And, and twenty thousand readers is not hard to find. Like, I mean, twenty thousand traditional publishers can be like oh vampire romance is dead well that's because they don't they can't put that on the front 
desk or table of every Barnes and Noble in the country and have a big enough audience, right? Right. But could you find 20,000 readers who buy every single one of your vampire romances yeah. and Around you have an race money? Yeah. Right. Like you have the whole world. So it's really just like, if I'm going to write vampire romances, how do I properly hit all of the reasons why someone loves vampire romances? And how do I write a vampire romance that will be addictive and that they will love and that they will want another one of and hit all of their things? So that's really, that's kind of what I'm trying to say, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm glad that I asked the question and you explained it again, because now I feel like I've got it. So if you love writing serial killers, you just have to find out what do people who love reading about serial killers love about it and make right. sure you hit those points in your book. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And it, so there's plotting to market, then you have to write the book to market and then you have to market it to market, right? Like those are the three pieces of that. And oftentimes like you might have the best, most perfect you know, serial killer book in the world, but you're, but you're not marketing it properly. Right. Or you're trying to advertise it to an audience that isn't interested in serial killers. And so you're like, God, my conversion stinks. Um, But the other, so, so the analogy that I like to use, and it's, I love this analogy, but I'm not sure how cohesive it is, but it's, it's, uh, but it's a food analogy. And that's like, if if you are invited to a Southern buffet, so I'm originally from Georgia. Um, I live in Florida now. But Southern cooking is like our, like, I don't know, second Your religion. love language, right? Uh, right. Yeah, it's our love language. So if you're invited to a Southern buffet, and which is a potluck, I'm sorry, a potluck. So everyone brings a dish and they put it all out on a big table and we all sit under the trees and we eat. Um, and I bring quesadillas, okay? Um, they're going to put my quesadillas on the table with everybody else. But people are going to walk right past my quesadillas and they're going to beeline for you know, the fried pork chops or the pecan pie or whatever else, because they've spent all day thinking about the Southern, you know, potluck that they're going to and getting excited and their stomach's talking and they came there expecting and wanting Southern food. And my quesadillas might be the most amazing, incredibly well-cooked quesadillas on the planet. And they're going to walk past them. And you might have a couple people who grab one because they're like, oh, you know what? I could deal with case day right now. Um, and they might like it. But but the rest of their plate or the rest of their bookshelf is going to be Southern items, you know, Southern food from that right. buffet. And so- um, They'll take these, one piece of fried right. chicken from all four dishes of fried chicken, right? Right. Yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. So if you like to write quesadillas, right? No problem. Like you just need, to go to a Tex-Mex party where your quesadillas are going to be devoured like candy and everyone else. And so the the book analogy of this is if you like to write unconventional love stories where the heroine dies at the end and you're bringing that to a romance potluck, right? Like you're going to get a couple bites because there are a couple romance, right? But for the most part, like your book's going to be ignored or your reviews are going to stink. But maybe we switch and move you to women's fiction where your unconventional love story where everybody dies at the end is like, you know, selling like gangbusters and everyone loves it. So um, so it's really kind of finding. And then the other part of this analogy is let's say you bring 
sweet potato casserole to the Southern cooking, which sweet potato casserole is a standard Southern dish. No problem. Would be welcome at a Southern potluck. You put it on the table, but your sweet potato casserole doesn't have marshmallows on it. Um, and marshmallows, which for someone who's never eaten Southern food, they're probably thinking I'm crazy, but marshmallows are on top, baked on top and melted all over the place are like the crack of you know of that dish um and so it might be great but we put add marshmallows on it and even someone who's like stuffed can barely walk away from the table is like oh my god but i didn't get any of that soup to casserole with mushrooms so the the mushrooms in this um, mushrooms the marshmallows, the marshmallows yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry the marshmallows in this analogy are all of the great yummy juicy stuff that readers love that you could write a book that is perfectly in the market but if you don't add those elements that they really love then then you're going to have people walk past that sweet potato casserole or people just aren't going to come back to you know for seconds or really like you're just dampening their enjoyment levels yeah. um of that book so that's that's kind of my food analogy for writing to market so hopefully that made this i'm never going to forget tropes or marshmallows <laughs> marshmallows are <or> tropes <laughs> I, I love that, but I don't know if it, I think I was hungry at the time that I put together that portion of the presentation. You know, you're talking to the right person. My audiobook narrator, she's like, man, Kitty, when I do your books, I get so hungry. All your characters are already <laughs> eating or talking about food or cooking. I'm like, I know, I love food. <laughs> it's all good. Um, okay, so the ready for strategy four? Let's do four. Okay, so strategy four is really all about um, retailer discoverability. So, um, so many authors don't have a budget for advertising. They don't have time to go on TikTok. <laughs> you know, they don't have anything. So we need to set our books up for as much success on the retailer platforms as possible because it is possible. And I see authors all the time hit the top 100 list and I go and I look and they don't have a website and they don't have a newsletter and I do not know how on earth they're succeeding. But what it is, is they have a book that is written to market packaged to market and and they're getting they're going viral basically on the platform right so um amazon or another retailer is saying okay people are just like tiktok they tested out a small small batch of readers and those readers had high conversion so i'm going to show it to more and more readers um you know if i think that this book is, is a winner and is going to sell um and where you can really, you're seeing less customers who bought this. I mean, there's a lot of sponsored ads that are creeping in, but search results, if someone goes up into that top bar of Amazon and types in keywords, um, those results, there will be sponsored results there, but there will also be authentic results. And that is where keywords really comes into play. So there was a presentation on keywords that was taught by Dale Roberts, who has a fantastic YouTube uh, channel if anybody wants to subscribe. But the two parts of the strategy are you need to make sure that your packaging and your metadata is is on point, right? And and that is the best. You only got to set it up once. I mean, ex except if trends change, but yeah. set it up once and then let that engine kind of do its thing. So by packaging, I'm really talking about the cover, the description, your reviews, the price point, your distribution strategy, whether you're Kindle Unlimited or wide. Um, and then metadata is really what I'm talking about is um, other than the book description is keywords and um, categories. So categories is just what shelf 
your book is in on that retailer, it's pretty easy to find your category. I encourage you not to pick like 10 categories, but to pick categories that really apply to your book. Because what you don't want is people clicking on your book who like self-help books about dogs and you have a dog romance and they click on it and then they click away because that was like, oh, you just got a strike against you with that retailer. Wow. Um, so you do want to pick categories that apply to you. But keywords are those like seven or eight boxes that are when you upload your book into Kindle Direct Publishing. And for so many of us, we're like, what the heck do I put in these boxes? So I learned so much from Dale. Um, and I just want to share some quick um, do's and don'ts. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, don'ts. These are don'ts. <laughs> so, and un unfortunately, I was guilty of literally, I think, every single one of these. So the first is to not blindly pick keywords without some research which I've definitely done a gazillion times. Um, secondly, don't use other people. Never use a brand name, author name, or someone else's book title. Um, that basically Amazon will just kind of delete that keyword. Um, so it's like you've just wasted a keyword slot. Right. I definitely did that. Um, don't ever use the F word, which is free. Um, so don't ever use free, even if your book is free. Um, you also cannot use any Amazon related words like Kindle and unlimited kindle books kindle ebooks any of those they will also delete it um the only exception to that is if you write nonfiction and you're writing a book about kindle unlimited marketing oh, strategies yeah but you have to write to them and get their permission to use that as a keyword um so yeah and so and if they approve you then they'll keep it but for everyone else we just again just crossed off one of those boxes we just lost a box yeah. Um, and then you don't want to do anything that's in the title or subtitle already. That that's redundant. So anything in your title or subtitle is already a keyword. You don't need to put that um, in the thing. And you also don't need to do like, um, let's say you had bad boy romance. And the next one is mafia romance. And then you had second chance romance. You can put bad boy mafia second chance romance as one keyword. Okay. So you can you can squash them all together. Um, and use as many, you know, in that one keyword string as, as you want. Um, so, but um, what he said, which was funny, is keywords don't sell books. And this is true. Keywords do not sell books. They bring traffic to your page. And then your book page needs to complete the sale. So it'll, it'll increase your discoverability. But if your, you know, packaging is broken, then, you know, then they're useless. Um, and the other thing that he said that I wasn't aware of is that um, Amazon won't work for you until you work for them. So they need to see some proof that your conversion is happening. So unlike TikTok, which is like, oh, we're going to give you 250 free views no matter what. Yeah. Uh, Amazon doesn't do that. So you need to first send some traffic either through ads, ah. boost social media posts, a newsletter post but send some traffic there, qualify traffic that not like your friends and family who have never, ever bought a romance book and suddenly you're sending them to a book page because that's going to confuse the heck out of Amazon. You want qualified traffic going there, hopefully that has a high conversion and then they'll, and then they'll, that builds your street cred with, with Amazon and they'll um, start ranking you higher and higher in those search results. Nice. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So to recap, um, strategy one was to self-assess and um, hopefully make a business plan, but at least look at your time and how you're using it and, and make sure that you're doing things you love and things you're good at. 
Um, the second strategy was that uh, TikTok is by far the hottest platform in terms of moving books right now, but uh, I encourage you to pick one and focus on it, whatever that is, and maybe you're a Twitter, you know, goddess. Um, number three, tropes and writing to market is what is selling books right now in 2022 and probably forever. And uh, last but not least, keywords and metadata and packaging is what will really fuel well, keywords and metadata will fuel discovery and your packaging is what will clinch that sale for that book. Brilliant. Wow. And that's just the highlights of some of the things that you learned from marketing from just one year of InkersCon. That was from four classes. Literally, I I was like, let me pick four classes and pick a takeaway take from each class. So there's 20 four other classes um, that are waiting to be discovered. So yeah. Nice. Wow. I am so glad I ran into you, Alessandra. <laughs> and I, I thank cool. you. Oh, I thank you so much for taking the time because this is super helpful. You know, um, my whole point in this podcast is to encourage people and inform them and, you know, hopefully entertain them along the way. <laughs> but um, this has been magnificent information. Now, that being said, I think that there is a lot to be gained for people to actually go through these classes and listen to them from 100%. the horse's mouth. Yeah. So hundred percent. And we but, do have a coupon code if for any of your listeners. Um, it's WNW, which stands for Right Now Workshop. Right Now Workshop. WNW Podcast. So all together, all one word, uh, I believe it needs to be in all caps, um, and that'll save you fifty dollars off um, either the payment plan or the pay in full, either one. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. Thank you. So tell us where can people find InkersCon, but also where can they find you and your books as well? You can find InkersCon at InkersCon.com, and you can just click and see. You can start binging on the 2022 conference at any time, and that does include six years of access. So if you are like, oh, I'm not ready for advertising right now. That's cool, but maybe in two years you will be, and you can go and you know watch all of our advertising classes then. Um, so, so that's six years of access. So that's inkerscon.com, and um, and then if you're interested in finding out more about me, um, I have author resources at alessandratoryinkink.com, um, but inkerscon.com also has a fantastic blog there and some free classes that you can take. Um, so there's free resources on that site. Uh, site as well. And if you're an author who's uh, wanting to increase their discoverability, I encourage you to visit bingebooks.com and join as a um, as an author there. So we've got some really exciting things happening on that site in the near future. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll have to go there and who knows, maybe we'll have you back on the show to talk about. Yeah. You have yeah. your hand in so many things. Even just reading your bio, I was like, how does she have time to write as many books as you have? <laughs> because every hour of writing time I try or author time, I try to write. And unfortunately I let all the other balls kind of fall except for the things that I love doing. But, um, but one day I dream of the day where I can retire and only be an author. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen one day yeah oh you know what though still i want people to just stop and think about what you said um you have found a way to even now when you can only write and do writing related things for a few hours a week to move everything around so that you're spending more and more time writing the things that you love and doing the businessy things that are the things that you love and finding a way to either not do or hire out the other things. And that is so important because I know that I really got uh, totally in the mindset of 
and this may or may not be true. Everybody's telling me I've got to do all these things, whether yeah. I like it or not, whether I'm good at it or not. <laughs> yeah. And every time it's like, you know, they say like every time this happens, an angel gate, you know, finds their wings or whatever that saying is. Yeah. Every time I meet an author that is killing it and isn't doing like all of the things that supposedly you have to do, you know, I get so happy because it is so true. Like there are authors that don't have a website or they're not on social media at all or, you know, um, but they have found, but they, all they do is they write and they run ads or all they do is they write and they're on TikTok and that's it, you know, or all they do is they write and they just write fantastic books and you know people find them and and that's what happens so I you we definitely don't need to do all the things and in fact doing all of the things often hurts us because we're doing a crappy job at everything yes. where if we just crossed off 80 percent of that and and said and I've come really close to saying um you know I'm gonna get off all social media. And I'm only going to communicate with readers through my newsletter list. And if I did that, my newsletter subscribers would jump and I could send one email a week. That's like a heartfelt, interesting email. I mean, that where they feel like they really have a better relationship with me. And I, and, and that it could be the only thing that I do is I am not on social media. The problem is I don't really do my assistant does all of my social media. So it's like, I, I, it feels like I'm just getting off social media out of spite, um, you know, so, but, you know, there are things I could do that. And I honestly don't think it would hurt my sales one iota um, if I did that. Boy, so, see now there's something I, I might take that idea too, because <laughs> I don't love social media, though I do love video. So of course I, I definitely want to be on TikTok, <laughs> but, um, but I, I don't love trying to, find something meaningful out of some meaningless thing that I just did yeah. or said or ate. Um, but I would much rather write, like you said, a heartfelt newsletter, include pictures yeah. of the blueberries that I picked this morning and how I made them into pancakes an hour later, you know? Yeah. I, for me, social media makes me sad. Like when the more I'm on social media, it's not like an uplifting, happy experience for me. So that's why I'm like, that's why I've thought about just cross it. And it takes up time. Like before I know it, I've been on Instagram for 20 minutes, like doing what? Like <laughs> I have not done a single thing to sell a book, right? Like I'm not any happier than I was when I opened this up, like, but it's addictive. Like, and so that's kind of my, I'm still of this mindset that maybe, and unless I just delete the app and close my accounts or, you know what I mean? Or put up a thing that says I'm on social media hiatus, yeah. um, which I might just do that. I might just say I'm on social my media hiatus for six months. Um, and then I need to actually delete the apps from my phone because I have no self-control, you know, yeah. that's just the truth of the matter. And then I'm going to have all the free time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Joanna Penn with uh, the creative pen podcast, she's the first person that I heard say, I, I took Facebook and whatever off my phone. And I thought, whoa <laughs> what but now i'm like oh that sounds really good i just had a week of vacation um on an island at a cabin that had no internet and i was like oh, glorious the best four days of my year so that sounds like pure heaven oh my gosh all right so much to think about alessandra you are awesome thank you so much for being on the show we really appreciate the time and, and all the information you shared with us 
I am so excited to be here. I had so much fun talking with you and everyone listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Happy writing. I hope it all flows for you.